Hi, everybody. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the HubSpot Solutions Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. This week, we're joined by Paul Reitzer, founder and CEO of the Marketing AI Institute. If your Twitter and LinkedIn feeds are anything like mine, the only thing people are talking about these days is chat GPT. So Paul comes in to break down the emergence and seemingly overnight sensation of ChatGPT and how it's set to disrupt agencies and services providers and HubSpot Solutions partners in 2023. Paul starts by explaining what ChatGPT and generative AI tools are, what they allow users to do, and how to design your prompts for the desired outputs. He then explains why agencies should care and how these AI tools like ChatGPT present an immense opportunity for agencies today and a threat for any laggards. He breaks down the impact and implications it can have on process, efficiencies, creativity and productivity, and more. Blogs, pillar pages, white papers, ebooks, things that may have taken weeks, months, and thousands of dollars to deliver on could now potentially take minutes, days, and at significantly reduced costs. And Paul explains that ChatGPT will force agencies to rethink their pricing models and billing strategies. And it opens the door for agencies to bring new, innovative products and services to market. We wrap the episode with a look ahead and where machine learning language models, generative AI, and AI use cases are going in the not-so-distant future. Agency Unfiltered begins right now. Paul, welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are you doing? It's great to be back, Kevin. It's been a while, man. Um, it sure has. Yeah, it's great to get back on the horn. Uh, I can imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, must have been uh, uh, an interesting last few weeks for yourself <laughs> and for the Marketing AI Institute. Is that putting it lightly? Is that a fair it, assessment? Things changed. I, I, there's inflection points. I started studying AI in 2011, and there used to be like one or two times a year something interesting would happen, and then it you know, got to be like one or two times a quarter, and then... 2019, 2020 was like one or two times a month. And now it's like one or two times a day. And chat GPT was absolutely an inflection point in many ways for AI marketing business. So yes, it has been since November 30th, my life has gotten very interesting. Uh, yeah, and it feels like a good time to be uh, leading a community and institute for learning. Uh, the appetite for, for the content and the topics and best practices and opportunities to leverage. I mean, it's, I mean, timing wise, it's on everyone's minds, I feel like. Yeah. And I think I had mentioned to you before we got on like <clears throat> our website, I, cause I was middle of December. I started saying to our team, like, this feels very different. Like, I don't know the data points to look at in the industry yet, but it feels like everything changed. Um, you could see that OpenAI had a million users after five days. Like that was a decent sign. Um, but I was like, I, I, I need more data. And so then we started looking at our own data and in, in, uh, December, our traffic was up 32%, uh, in, in January one through 11 to start the month, uh, it was up 92%. Our podcast, the Marketing AI show is up uh, 85% per episode on average <laughs> listeners. Our intro to AI for marketers class that usually gets 300 got 900. So I would say, yes, things change. <laughs> <laughs> An absolute tidal wave, right? Uh, and it feels like it happened overnight. And then when it happened, uh, it hasn't left my LinkedIn, my Twitter feed. It's just, it's the only thing that anybody, at least in my bubble, 
uh, yes. wants to talk about. I remember uh, uh, my wife likes Yellowstone. I'm, I don't know if I'm sold on it yet, but the show's on. And I was like, uh, you have to pause this for a minute. I just have to explain to you what I just <laughs> found on the internet. Like, I just need to try and process it by speaking about it. Uh, maybe you had a similar reaction. I actually had that reaction when Dolly, the image generation tool yep. came out in the spring because my wife is an artist and I saw it and I signed up for the wait list. And then I went downstairs and I was like, I need to explain something to you because I think it matters to you. Um, and so, no, I've, I've had those moments before and I actually have I've tried to explain it to like my 11 year old daughter, like I'll, I'll walk her through what's going on. And yeah. Like it, you it, should start practicing the skill of prompt for generative yes. AI. Like you got to know how to ask it and what to ask for. Right. Uh, See, I knew it had happened because within the first few days, like I play Thursday night basketball with some dads from my kid's school and I was people coming up to me at basketball, asking me questions about chat GPT and AI, who I didn't even know knew I did anything in AI. And I was like, okay, we're, we have hit that moment where random people are asking me what chat GPT is. Yeah. yeah. Now that it's just part of like the pop, like the zeitgeist, the pop yeah. culture zeitgeist. Now everyone is aware. Yep. Right. Um, all right, Paul, let's, we'll start at the beginning here. I don't want to, obviously uh, it's hard not to know mm -hmm. about it and what it is, but let's just start as if, uh, yeah, maybe a listener today doesn't, right? Yep. Uh, uh, chat GPT, uh, give us your explanation of it, what it is, uh, and why should solutions partners, agencies, services providers, like why should they care about it? So simply it's, it's text generation through prompts. So you give it a prompt, write me a blog post about um, challenges of running an agency, and it writes it. Um, then you can say, no, 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 write, write it at a seventh grade level. And then it writes it at a seventh grade level. Okay. Explain why billing might be such an issue moving forward. And then it'll explain it. Like you can just keep going. In essence, you can have a chat with this generative language technology. So, uh, chat GPT is part of the space that is called generative AI, which means generating outputs from language. So you can generate images like Dolly from OpenAI. Um, you can generate videos in the near future. Like there's some new stuff that's come out from Meta and some other place where you can generate videos on demand, same way you would explain, like create a video of a person walking down a street in Boston and it'll just generate a video of it. That's coming in 2023. Um, but any piece of content. So the simplest way to think about what it means to you as an agency is if you get paid to do creative work and you're not using AI tools to do that creative work, you are at a competitive disadvantage now. Mm -hmm. It also means... That if your billing model is tied to the time it takes you to generate creative outputs, you need to seriously rethink that billing model very quickly. Because once marketers understand how this all works, once your clients realize how quickly content can be created now, they are not going to pay you your traditional rates to create it. So the market uh, will have this expectation baked in. So you have to be prepared for accounting for those efficiencies and leveraging the tools to trim back, right? The hours, the time, the resourcing it needs to generate some of this content. Is that? Yeah. The, that yeah. I mean, like, you know, as a practical example, um, so I, I mean, my agency PR 2020, which I founded and, and sold and it rebranded as Ready North, we, we were largely a content marketing agency. So a lot of what we did was built strategies to drive growth for clients, mainly lead generation through content. It was blog posts, you know, webinars, eBooks, things like that. There's no way we could charge today what we were charging then because they, they know what they, they can use these tools to create it more efficiently. The other thing though, is it unlocks all these new creative possibilities. So like as an agency, if you're not bringing these ideas, if your client's like, what's ChatGPT, 
if you haven't talked to them about ChatGPT yet, you got a problem because these tools are accessible to them now. They can go play around with them and be like, why didn't you tell me about this technology? Maybe I need an agency that understands this new technology because yeah, how aren't you using it? Why should be the same stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think that's where agencies are. It's like huge, huge opportunity um, to, to unlock new creative possibilities, to move into new areas, to drive efficiency in your business. Massive challenges though with reimagining the business model and the billing structure on the fly, which is what's yeah. gonna happen. Well, it's it's wildly disruptive and uh we'll we'll uh I think parse out each of these threads. I think yeah. all right, well, how to leverage it for content and some of those types of service offerings, again, pulling it through to your billing models. What I find to be the most compelling components, and you kind of alluded to this as you walk like your example, mm-hmm. was the conversational nature of the outputs and how you can it it has like a history of remembering. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, uh, I don't have to re-explain the original prompt. I can just build off of what you said and, and it continues to to optimize in that way. I think that is just uh, uh, is that the is that the buzziness of ChatGBT specifically, you think? Well, there's yeah, there's lots of things that make it very um, powerful. Certainly the memory component is a piece of it. There, I'm not, it's not clear yet exactly how much it remembers, um, whether it's like a thousand words or 5,000 words, you know, what its ability to, to go back in. But that is a breakthrough in AI development today is adding this in. The other thing that's being added in is reasoning and like logic, like human level reasoning and logic, which didn't exist in the AI tools we were all using previously. Sure. But I think the, like the really important thing I would stress to people is don't get caught up in chat GPT is the shiny object as this is the end game. This is a, what is called reinforcement learning through human feedback project. They put out this tool that millions of people are now using for free, which means you're the product because you're, you're giving them data that you're using the tool with. Um, It's to build the next version of it. Like everything it's learning is to build a more powerful version of what it's building. And so AI goes way, way, way beyond ChatGPT, but most agencies don't have a clue. And so I think ChatGPT is a great entry point to figure out AI is very powerful. It can do incredible things. It's gonna probably disrupt our agency, but that's just the starting point. Yep, no, that's a really great frame. That's a really good point. Really great frame of reference. Uh, uh, Log in, at least at the time of this recording, it's free to do so, creating an account and taking advantage of the conversational prompts and, and ChatGPT as a, as, a, as a resource, as a tool. What is the opportunity if I'm a solutions partner and agency uh, right now? Is this, should I be starting every piece of content, copy, blog, uh, white paper, ebook? Like, is this, am I just having this thing pump out outlines for me? Is that is that where I start? Potentially. So I would say a, a couple of things here. One is you you can absolutely go in and try ChatGPT for free and you should. And you can give it variations of prompts. Write a, write a blog post for me with this many words in this topic. Create an outline for me. Come up with an agenda for my meeting about this topic. Like just push the limits of what it's capable of doing. It's all kinds of use cases. I think how you use it will be partially impacted by where you are on the spectrum uh, as a writer, creator, planner. So like if you're a average writer or if someone on your team's an average writer, they may actually use it to write the drafts. I don't use it for drafts. Like I don't, I don't want it writing my drafts for me, mm-hmm. but I will enrich my outlines with it. So let's say I'm writing a, a new ebook or something. I will go in and say, okay, give me an outline uh, for AI in um, the gaming industry and how it might be used in marketing and sales and service. And it'll do it. And it'll do yeah. it really well. Now I'm not going to like 
that's it. Like my outlines here, but I'm going to look through point by point. Like, Oh, that's really smart. Like I actually didn't even think about that angle. I'm going to make sure my actual outline has that in it. Um, I've tried it for event agendas. I've tried it for all these different things. So one I would say is push the limits of what it can do. It's probably going to surprise you with what it's capable of. And then think about how it could fit into your workflow. It might just be for inspiration and ideation, which is largely how I use it, Mm -hmm. or it might be writing drafts. The other thing I would say is it's only one writing tool. There are like Writer, Jasper, which has got 125 million in funding, um, WordTune, HyperWrite, like GoCharlie, Lex. There's there's dozens of AI writing tools that are using OpenAI's GPT-3 API. And then they're building user interfaces around them and tuning them for specific use cases. So ChatGPT is just a writing tool. There were writing tools before ChatGPT came on the scene. It's just the one that everybody latched onto and got access to use. Yeah, this is the one that's mega viral. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was looking for the right word and I think you found it. uh, And so I'll probably carry this through now, but it's it's an enrichment tool. You use it to enrich your outlines, right? It's not uh, a replacement content marketer, right? Uh, But it it can certainly enrich... Yeah, the the planning, research, and brainstorming steps, right? Um, Yeah, and I think it's important people understand at a base level how it works because some people who jump in and use it just assume it's right all the time, that it's factual. And and in fact, it actually has no idea if it's right or not. So what the way these language models work is they predict the likelihood of a next word. They use probabilities to predict the next word in a sentence. So it's not scraping content from wikipedia or your site like it's not going and grabbing like a sentence and dropping it in there and copy and pasting it's literally writing words from scratch based on the probability of what it thinks the next word in the sentence should be and you can tweak that you can actually change how creative the ai is like it's called changing the temperature and what it'll do is it'll give more creative probabilities like it's like go go sit in the chair would the chair would be the most probable word in that sentence if i adjust the temperature it may say go sit on the camel. Like, I I don't know, like it'll just, it's just creating a prediction of the next word. And so that's when people realize that that's what the machine is actually doing. It learns from a training set and then it makes predictions about words. It changes your perspective of like, oh, so it's not actually like scraping anything or copying and pasting or that's why I can't cite its sources. Right. This isn't a start to stop definition that is cited. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think it was, uh, Man, is either like Darmesh or maybe in a thread that he was involved mm-hmm. somewhere on Twitter. But someone said like the big crack in this thing in the foundation is its inability to tell you how confident it is in the accuracy. It's like a consistent, like yeah. it's it's stating what it states with the same degree of confidence. Yeah, that'll right? change. It'll be there and it'll like you've already seen some innovations where people are, I mean, people are going to, there's going to be thousands of these generative AI tools because they're kind of easy to build if you know what you're building. Hmm. Um so I've seen some where it'll output, uh, you know, you put in a prompt and it outputs it, and then it'll actually include like three sources that have heavy weights in the output so that it thinks that it got that information roughly from these sources. And it's has this, you know, confidence level that it kind of got informed by these sources. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's, uh, it's a wide open space. Like it's so but early, it's be, but it's coming. <laughs> yeah. That's a really, yeah, right. Yeah. It's yeah, open space. Um, I mean, going back to the point, uh, to the topic here of enrichment as mm-hmm. well, um, I think the one thing that it won't replace, uh, and let me know if you agree or disagree, is like true depth uh, and subject matter expertise, right? It's best served if it's enriching experts to parse and expand and extrapolate the deeper topics. Is that is that a fair assessment? Is that how marketers should be thinking about it? Mm. 
I mean, so I ran an agency for those 16 years and we work with some pretty complicated clients, chemical yeah. engineering, robotics, um, a lot of manufacturing that I didn't even know existed. And I had professionals a year or two out of school that were trying to learn these industries to write expertly about them. Uh, ChatGPT could run circles around them. Mm. ChatGPT could run circles around most of the engineers at those companies that you would ask to write this stuff. So the opposite may actually be true. It's going to be way beyond the capabilities of most writers you would employ at an agency or outsource writing to. And maybe they can't, even more so based on the granularity or the specialized nature of a particular topic. I mean, just give you an example. Like, um, so like, let's say a chemical engineering client wants you to write a white paper about some chemical and its impact on this manufacturing process. Today, the agency is going to pick someone who has no clue about the topic to write the white paper. They're then going to go do a bunch of Google searches. They're then hopefully going to interview the engineers who make the thing. Then someone needs to figure out how to explain what the engineers just said to that person so they can actually write the piece. Then you write it. Then you send it to the client. Client tears it apart because it's obvious you don't actually know what you're talking about. And like it goes round and round and round, five rounds, $10,000 later, and you have a white paper that people are moderately happy with. The alternative is I just tell ChatGPT, write me a white paper, 1,200 words long, that is on this topic for this initiative, da, 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 da. boom, done. I have, I, in about 30 seconds, I probably now have my draft white paper. I go sit down with the engineer and I talk through point by point with the AI out, output to me. Is this right? Is this, because I could even say, no, 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 simplify this to like a 12th grade level, a seventh grade level. Uh, it, it's it's going to completely disrupt the, the charging for content creation. That uh, it's, such a great example, right? Uh, and it just goes to like the diversity of businesses, right? That an agency likely works with, like this is exactly how it's going to disrupt. Like those are the types of marketing teams, agency teams, content teams, like this is where the tool plugs in to drive yeah. the most impact, right? So yeah. how do you become a subject matter expert to your point across this vast array of businesses? Some like chemical engineering are just, it's it's difficult for anybody to get their mind wrapped around. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and then if you take it a step further, what's going to end up being happening is you're going to be able to fine tune these models to specific brands. Like Writer does this now, writer.com. You can actually train it on your brand guidelines and tone of voice and style and stuff. And the AI will output things to sound like your company. You, you'll have media entities or brands that will train it on the writing of specific people. So give me all of Kevin's podcast transcriptions and blog posts from the last five years. And I'm going to train a model to write like Kevin. That's, I mean, we're like, I mean, we're talking like 12 to 24 months before that stuff's commoditized. What, uh, uh, do you have any tips or tricks as it relates to the prompts? Like, I think generally, right. You, you had kind of the chemical engineering example. Hey, write me a white paper. Here's like the level of proficiency, uh, uh based on your expertise. Uh, are there any tips, tricks, hacks? Like how do we, how do we maximize, uh, the way in which we frame a prompt to get more out of what returns? Right now, I would I would do it like you're writing a project brief for someone to do it. So if someone at your agency is going to get handed this project and you're going to say, we want it at this writing level, we want to make sure we cover these three points, we want it this length. Like right now with prompting, the more specific you get, the better the output's going to be. Now that's going to evolve. Um, there's massive kind of innovation happening in the prompting space where you're not going to actually have to be as good at prompting in the future, like by like three, six months from now as you are today. But right now... Um, the more specific you get, the better. That's why, so I always say like, 
Dolly and image generation didn't like obsolete graphic designers and illustrators. They're way more capable of properly prompting the AI than I am. I'm not a designer illustrator. I'm not, I can't visualize that stuff. So I can't tell it to do it in this style with this lighting, with the, but graphic designers can, and they can get way more out of Dolly than I can. And I think writing's the same way. If you're a writer by trade, a storyteller, and you have frameworks for how you tell stories, then like tell GPT to do it. And yeah. you're, you're probably going to get something very close to what you're thinking of. Yeah. And this type of artistic style with this sort of light composition and yeah. this sort of like, those are the types of inputs yeah. that'll actually generate, right? Like it takes that into account. Um, yep. We've mentioned that there's a, a number of use cases here, especially mm -hmm. through the lens of like driving efficiencies, right? I mean, I think it's easy to, to uh, see the value it'll have for content creation. I think you mentioned too, uh, meeting agendas uh, and event uh, agendas. Um, what are, what other means of efficiency? Should should agencies or HubSpot partners, yeah. you know, how well should they be looking at it? Any form of language generation, content creation you do, it can support on. So that could be from like, write me a sales email on this topic, you know, using this voice, this style, this tone. Uh, it could be writing outlines for papers. It could be coming up with agendas. It could be, I'll tell you one of the cool ones we do it with. Um, we take each of our podcasts, we transcribe them with the scripts. We use AI to transcribe it and do speaker recognition. And then we copy and paste chunks at a time of the transcription into ChatGPT and have it do content summarization of the transcription. So give me five bullet points about this transcription. Then you paste the transcription and then it does it. And it's not copying and pasting, like it's it's writing. So content summarization is a form of AI. When we did our book, when our marketing AI book came out in summer of 22, I tried to get content summarization to summarize the chapters for the book. And at that time, again, we're talking six months ago, you needed 10,000 examples to train something to do a summary of something. So if I wanted to write a summary, a single summary, like 200 words for the end of a chapter, I would have had to have fine-tuned the model on 10,000 examples of what I wanted. And now I just copy and paste it and say, write me a summarization of this. Like I mean, we were talking about leaps forward in capabilities that happen in months. Like you can't overstate the absolute no, need of this thing. It's going you know to keep I mean? happening. These yeah. language models are like yeah. doubling their capability every like six to 12 months, faster than Moore's law. So whatever you think AI can do today, just try it again in six months. <laughs> and I've had some people in the agency world, like in business world in general, be like, oh, you're just overhyping. I'm like, have you tried it? Like, I, I really don't understand how you come to that perspective if you've actually tried the technology. You right. just don't well, want to believe it. If action. that's your if that's yeah. your feeling, then you have not act. You either don't want to believe it, or you haven't tried it. Or now, now you're actively trying to avoid it to continue your stance. Right? <laughs> right. It's you like just want to. Fires. I you want to. Yeah. You want to stand on that point of view. That's fine. <laughs> right. But it's wrong. <laughs> uh, Paul, you mentioned the book. Let me ask you this, man. Uh, uh, how many new chapters does that book need, or how many addendums to the c content does it need now? Amazingly, it holds up extremely well because I designed it that way. So we wrote it, we sort of future-proofed it. The only way we couldn't do it was um, the technologies that are featured within it, which we knew was going to be obsolete right away. Sure. So was like 70 v vendors featured in it. But I actually addressed, uh, there was a whole section on can AI be creative? And I thought deeply about some of these things because I kind of knew what was coming. I didn't know ChatGPT was coming, but I have I, I talked to people within the AI research labs, follow the right people who publish the papers on what's coming in the next year. Too. Like you generally can look ahead and see what's going to happen. 
So I was fairly confident in where this was all going to go in the near future. So I, there's nothing in the book I would actually wish we had a rewrite on right now, except for the the tech, the vendors, which are still relevant. There's just so many more now. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it was designed to sort of last for a few years, I would say. Well, that's great to hear. Um, uh, can can the usage of a tool like ChatGPT for an agency can it go too far? At what point are all of my marketing proposals, sales emails, client work, website copy like is is there a point of no return as to you know uh, uh, usage of this thing goes too far? It could happen immediately if you don't understand what it is and how it actually works. So you're gonna have a lot of people who just immediately like, oh cool, like we don't have to hire those two new people, or maybe we could get rid of a couple people. Um, that's the wrong move, right? Mm-hmm. Like right off the bat. Um, so I think that it, it's gonna it's gonna have that kind of impact where it could go wrong right away because people don't understand the technology that they're using and what's about to come next is the other big thing. Like you can't just build your agency around ChatGPT, like I was saying earlier. It's more of a hey, we create content for a living. Let's build a roadmap to not only use today's technology, but to stay informed as new innovations happen in this space because they're going to keep happening. Let's assign this person to once a month test three AI writing tools and compare them to what we're using. And let's watch the pricing models of these writing tools as we're going. Like it has to be a very active plan to continually innovate in that service area. You can do the same thing in advertising, social media, analytics, any service you offer, not just writing, any service you offer is becoming more intelligent with smarter tech. And so I would do the exact same thing, no matter what your service is, I would have an active plan to constantly evaluate the solutions available and how you can use them to create value for your clients. Yeah, I love that as a consideration. Uh, It's such an important call out. Uh, We mentioned billing models. I want to get there. I want to get back there in a moment or like, you know, your billing strategy, um, uh, how you talk price to to clients. Uh, This is coming from a place of, I myself am not a web developer, but I've seen development use cases through the chat GPT prompt. What's your read on its effectiveness and its ability to actually help consult, write, uh, and kind of QA code? It can it can be used for code. So there's a, a solution called Copilot, which a lot of developers I know use. But I think the bigger concern if I was in the web world is I don't, I don't know why you would get paid to design websites in the future. Like I already saw an AI that does generative AI for presentations. So you just prompt it, like create a presentation for me on this topic with these slides and you know these headers. And it designs the thing for you, so I think that you're you're probably going to very quickly see. If I, I mean, HubSpot should probably build this honestly. Like if if you were, um, if I wanted to start a website, I would just go in and create a prompt. Like, and it, maybe it's like two. I have my I have my language generation and my image or design generation here. So I'm like, okay, write me a, a write me an about us page about my company using this link as the source and da da da. Create your like, okay, now design me a page that goes with it. Use these two images or create me an image of this. And like, it just does it. And so like, I think you're, you're going to see entire sites built through prompting very, very quickly and very affordably. Um, powerful stuff. When do you think like, uh, it'll be interesting to hear when's the first uh, top billboard pop song completely written and musically created by like generative AI or like a novel. When's like the first, like, you know, uh, detective novel, top to bottom, written by generative AI. How far away is that? You could probably do it now um, if you had access to the right. If you had access to the API from OpenAI, 
and the ability to train it, you could do it now. Like you create a Harry Potter novel, probably just feed it to seven or nine Harry Potter novels and learns to write in that style or something like that. Uh, plays, songs. You can write a song with ChatGPT now. I mean, like you can do anything. But write my sales email like Tupac would. Like try that prompt. Yeah, it'd yeah. probably be hilarious. Like it'll do it. Like it'll write it. I did it for um, when we launched our piloting AI for Marketers series in, on December 14th. I said, like, write me a Christmas carol promoting the the um, the series, and it, it did. It, it was awesome. Uh, Ryan Reynolds did that ad this week for Mint Mobile. Yeah, where yeah. He said, like, write me an commercial. ad for yeah. yeah. In my voice, in my voice, use a swear yeah. word, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I had uh, I had to write me a poem for Kyle Jepson's birthday card. It worked out. There you go. <laughs> he cares about these topics. Like, make sure to reference golf or gaming or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Exactly. It's gonna. It's gonna. Um, Right now, the only limitations are really the compute and the cost, but those are both coming down dramatically. Um, all right, let's get back to the uh, uh, how to factor this uh, into uh, price points and, and, and billing strategies. I can imagine, obviously, these tools should reduce the hours yeah. that a particular task takes. And so, yeah, sure, your price should reflect that, especially as everybody becomes aware of these resources. Any other? What are the other considerations right, that they need to be taken into account? To, to I think price. what's what's the unique value you create. So I've always been a, an advocate of value-based pricing. I mean, the first chapter of my marketing agency blueprint book in 2012 was eliminate billable hours. So like I've always never been shy about thinking that billable hours were um, very agency-centric. Yeah. Um, I created point pricing in 2014 as our model. So we assigned point values to everything and then just like didn't matter to the client if we took two hours or 20 hours, they, they were paying the same thing for the value. I think something along those lines, I'm not saying it has to be points, but some value-based thing where you're not charging by the hour is the first step. The second step is, does what we create still hold the same value? So like- it Does if it I, have more value? or better, higher quality right. content or work, right? Right. Or is it something that we couldn't even create before? Like we're now able to charge for image generation and we're using our license to do it. And yeah, we do it quickly, but we're really good at prompting. And so the client can't do it themselves. Like I think you, you have to basically go through your service offering and say, can the client now do this themselves way cheaper and better than we can? In which case you just lost value. Like you're you can't charge the same thing you were charging before. If the answer is, well, no, they still can't do it themselves. They don't know how to use these tools. They don't want to use these tools. Then, okay, you, that's still part of the value equation. So I think you just have to be very objective about, has there been a shift in the things we do and the value that those things create up or down? Maybe there is opportunities to charge more. I don't know. I don't spend my life thinking about this anymore. I just do it enough to realize that they, the people are gonna have to move pretty quick. It's a, it's an important, it's a helpful perspective and it's an important perspective, but there's also this underlying, Hey, listen, not my circus, not my monkeys. Right. So yeah, uh, like if somebody's asking, like, it's not my problem. Saying, anymore. I don't know, man, I, yeah. that, I sold that thing and I'm, <laughs> I got other stuff to worry about at the moment. Uh, how, uh, uh, how outward or like how intentional should partners be agencies be about their usage of like generative AI tools in their pitch decks as a means of differentiation. Like, you know what I mean? Is, is power usage of something like chat GPT an attractive element of my positioning or anything like that? Like, does that bubble up into my marketing efforts? You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been debating this one for years. Like even when PR 2020, we were debating back in 2015, when we first started using AI, like, should we even talk about it? Like, does anybody really care? Or is it just a 
competitive advantage because we can do things faster and better. Right. Like, is it better if we keep it a secret? How, right. You know, I mean, SaaS companies struggle with this. HubSpot should probably struggle with this. Like, should we even talk about this as an AI tool? Like, does anybody care? Um, I think it's going to be an ongoing debate. I, I think there's going to be times where you probably do if it's a differentiator and a true value creator. So like, for example, Runway ML is one of like my favorite AI tools and Descript is another one. I love, I love both those tools. Neither is a sponsor of ours. Like, I just love them. We use them all the time. Um, if I was an agency and I was a power user of Runway and it opened up all these possibilities, they have like 30 pre-trained AI magic tools, they call them, to do all these insane things with video and audio and images. And I would I would consider being like, hey, we, we have all these insane creative capabilities because we use these Runway ML magic tool, AI magic tools to do what we do. But here's what it means to you. Here's the value it creates. I think that's a point of differentiation. I'm not going and saying, yeah, we can create images and videos and da, 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 da. It's like, okay, but everybody does that. We have Photoshop for 20 years. Like, but no, I'm saying like, no, we have a ne next gen way to do this. Like, right, right. it's insane. Is that, what is the actual value realized by doing it this way uniquely? Right. Correct. Yeah. And so I think you could, you could look at the same thing with, you know, you could do go. So like, let's say, okay, we'll go back to the chemical engineering thing. Let's say someone's paying $300,000 a year to an agency to create all their content in this space. If I went, if I knew that, and I went to that chemical engineering client, I mean, I never did this as an agency, like go steal someone else's client. But like, if I want to just go look for somebody else's client, I'm like, yeah, what are you paying them? Like I went and looked at your library. You guys published like 25 white papers last year. You got to be paying like a couple hundred thousand dollars for this agent to do that stuff. Are you aware that there are tools now that we could do the same work in probably like 50 hours and, and then use the other time to do these other 10 things we're capable of doing that they're not even going to talk to you about? 100%, I would be touting from the rooftop. I have those capabilities, but it all comes down to understanding it deeply within the agency, infusing it into the services and having the innovative mindset, then knowing how to actually position it. But I think there's a there's going to be a massive market p potential for agencies that figure this stuff out and position it correctly. Uh, and the time to do so was three weeks ago to start. But the, <laughs> the, the, the what is it? The best Today's, time to plant a tree is yesterday. The second best yeah, time is today, right? Today. So you go. I've seen Darmesh use a quote some, similar yeah. to that at different times. But yes, yeah. it is. Uh, he probably says it better than I do. Yeah. And I think like we did. So when we did that piloting AI for Marketer series, it is 17 on-demand courses. That is like a step-by-step -step learning journey. It's eight hours of content. You can literally learn this stuff in a day. Like put it on one and a half times speed, one and a quarter, six hours, six and a half hours. You will have every piece of foundational knowledge you need to decide, is this, or is. so and I'm not saying just take our course. I'm just saying like, you can learn this stuff. You don't have to be a data scientist. You don't have to be tech savvy. You don't have to ha go back to school. This is stuff that's readily available to learn. And then you just connect the dots for your business. Yes. I mean, we're not going to get to everything in 40-ish minutes together right. on a podcast. And so the Institute has full course loads uh, on these things, right? Uh, are they self-paced? Are they live facilitated? Give folks a sense of, of how to how they engage with with that content that's available. Yeah, so I, you know, November of 21, I sort of like thought about our education, almost like the SaaS models. Like you needed the freemium offering. You needed the thing to show people the value to get them to believe what's possible. So I, I launched this Intro to AI for Marketers live class. That is free. We teach it every like three to four weeks. Um, so it's at noon on Thursdays, again, like once or twice a month. We've had like 6,000 marketers have registered for that series. We just had uh, just under 900 on the last one. So that is a great entry point. We have the book, obviously, if you just want to like, if that's how you like to learn, you know, audio, digital, print, whatever. 
And then the online education, the piloting I for marketers is 17 on-demand courses. And it's all built as a professional certificate program. It's just all what you're looking for. There's plenty of free resources on this stuff. But what we decided was like, okay, if someone's ready to go though, like they take the intro or they read a couple of things, like now what do I do? We didn't have like, okay, here, like here's everything we know to do. And that's where the idea for the series was born and kind of how that was all created. Uh, and is uh, Macon on the calendar for 2023? July 26th to the 28th. Yeah. Marketing AI conference is coming back in person. Thank goodness. <laughs> it was, yeah. It'll be nice to be back. We were back in person in 2022. We'll be back in 2023. Um, and again, I what I always say is like, if you're ready for that, then, then come. Be inspired by your peers, the other people who are thinking about this stuff and trying it. Um, because it's there aren't that many communities right now where you can find those people. And we're trying you know, trying to fill that void, I guess. Well, and I think to your point uh, earlier too about just the list, the, just the ginormous amount of uh, use cases available. It's like you're never going to be able to to uncover each of yourself unless, all right, well, now that there's a community, what are you doing? What have you found success? Oh, you had it run this for you? Well, I do it right. this way. So I think the community and knowledge sharing component, I think is gonna be so critical for-, for Well, yeah, I mean, think about the HubSpot ecosystem. It's what made it so valuable all those years was all these partners going through the similar things at similar stages, trying to figure out this future of marketing and um, and collaborating in, in amazing ways and supporting each other. And yeah, I mean, that's the value of a community of anything is try to find these like-minded people with you know aligned goals and, and, and ethics and things like that and, and build together. Uh, well, Paul, as we wrap here, I want to just create a space for this last question here. I don't know how far of a rabbit hole it'll take us. I have a last, last question. We wrap it okay. Now, before you alluded to it, I think earlier in the episode, uh, obviously you sold PR 2020, you've yeah. uh, moved over to Marketing AI Institute. PR 2020 has gone through a rebrand. Uh, I've been led to believe that AI played some role or was involved in the selling or, you know, the movement away from, from the agency. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I started researching AI in 2011. So this is not, wasn't new information to me. I wrote a little bit about it in my second book in 2014, started public speaking 2015, launched the AI Institute in 2016 as a DBA of PR 2020. It was just, we were just like, Hey, let's start writing about it. If other people are interested, yep. cool. Yep. Started getting a bunch of subscribers from major investors, VC firms, corporations, analyst firms, everything. So 2019 rolls around. I'm pouring all my time and energy as an agency into this. Um, so I couldn't even tell if the agency was profitable. Like I had no idea. Like the financials were just like all over the place because all of our money and top people were going into the AI initiative. So I was like, I got to split this off. So I split it off as his own LLC in, in January yep. of 19. Fast forward to March, April 2021, we're on vacation in Florida. I'm reading Genius Makers by Cade Metz. It told the inside story of the development of deep learning, a subset of AI from 2000, roughly 2010 to, to present. And what I realized is we had overestimated how quickly AI would be adopted and underestimated the total impact it was going to have. And so in that moment, I was like, every second I am spending on my agency is a second I am not trying to figure out AI in the future. I have to sell. So I decided I was like, I'm done. Like I'm out. And it was that, it was that immediate. I never planned to sell my agency. I didn't have, it was never in my roadmap. I was just going to keep doing what I was doing. Um, but I decided at that moment that the opportunity cost of not focusing all my energy and brain power on AI was too great to keep doing what I was doing. So I, I did and I, was it, I think I sold it in like, I don't know, 60 days or something. Like it just, it moved pretty fast once I decided to sell. 
It would allow you to be well positioned for the tidal wave that was, you know, Chat GPT. Here we go. Only a few weeks ago, you know. That's why I keep saying is like now that everyone's listening, the hard the hard now work begins. Like yeah. now, now the real work starts because everybody's paying attention. Uh, we mentioned all right. Well, what is it? What comes out in the future? Uh, degree of confidence, uh, the ability to have it replicate your brand voice. What do you think is going to really blow people's minds in uh, twelve months, eighteen months? Right? Like, what's what's really going to blow people's minds? Are the power of this thing? I, I mean, I think. We're, we're right now we're seeing one major player. We're seeing OpenAI's technology. Google has as good or better technology, most likely sitting behind their walls. Um, Meta may have something similar. Apple probably has some major innovation to Surrey coming. Um, there are major players in this space that are sitting on tech. I think the, the 2023 is going to be the year where these big tech companies are forced their hand is forced. They've been holding this stuff back because of misuse concerns, ethical concerns, um, the fact that it has bias and misinformation infused into it. And open AI is going to force the market to move. So I think we're about to see a level of innovation that's going to be very hard to comprehend. In language models in particular, the, the space I'm more bullish on near term, like one to three years, is the ability for AI to assist in reasoning and decision-making across every aspect of business and society. So Meta had a major breakthrough called Cicero in, in winter 2022 um, that won at the game of Diplomacy, which is like an insane like milestone in AI development. <laughs> DeepMind at Google uh, is working on some stuff. Like I, I think anywhere you, where you make decisions in business, AI is going to be infused into that, like making recommendations, predicting probabilities of outcomes, things like that. So I think that's probably wow. the stuff no one is thinking about or talking about that I know of in business and agencies. And it's gonna, it, it has the potential to make this generative AI stuff look small in the grand scheme of things. And I'm major bullish on generative AI. Like, so I, again, not to oversell, but I, people don't read the research papers. They don't look at what's going on at the labs at Meta and Amazon and Google and Microsoft. And if you don't look at that, you're going to miss the real story here. Yeah, the generative AI chat GPT is like tip of the iceberg. Yeah. yeah. So fundamentally, business as a whole, marketing agencies, three years from now looks nothing like today. Like it's and I, I don't even think that's an exaggeration in any capacity. And I would feel extremely confident in saying that based on what we're seeing coming down the pike. Uh, you know, based on, on, on that, this final question, we wrap every episode with the same question. This one feels a little smaller than that. Uh, it <laughs> okay. tends to be, what's the strangest part of agency life? Now, we just okay. covered, you know, your transition away from PR 2020. What's the strangest part of uh, generative AI? It's freaky good. I don't, I mean, I understand how this stuff works. I've studied it. I've read the papers. I've talked to the people building it. I'm still blown away by it. Like it, it's constantly shocks me. Like sometimes I'll, I'll be like, I don't even know how it did that. Like give you a quick example. Um, Microsoft just announced something called Valley, V-A-L-L-E. It can synthesize someone's voice with three seconds of training data. I can't even comprehend how that's possible. We tried to do that for our book and you needed 40 hours of training data on Google Wave six months ago. So somehow we've made a breakthrough that enables it to synthesize your voice, everything about it, tone, style, everything with three seconds of training data. Now the government was doing stuff like this with a minute of training data or so like minute, 10 minutes, a few years ago, like I knew it was coming, but not, I, I had no idea like that. I have to go read the research paper. I can't comprehend how it's actually doing it. 
And even if you know it's coming, the actual synthesis and just understand coming to terms with the fact that it's possible is yeah. wild, right? It's that's the part that's crazy to me is it's just so good. And sometimes it's not when you know what to look for, you still can't figure out how it's doing what it's doing. Um, well, Paul, uh, that puts us at time. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on. You're the exact right person I wanted to talk to the minute uh, I created my open AI account. So I appreciate you sharing your thoughts, your expertise, your experiences, man. It's been a pleasure. Happy to do it anytime, man. Uh, and maybe I'll commit to whatever LinkedIn promotion I do for this episode. I'm going to just let ChatGPT write. Give it the transcript. Say, write yeah. me a LinkedIn post. Exactly. 3,000 characters or less. <laughs> uh, to your point about, I think there was a sales email example earlier, like as Tupac or as, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, whatever. So, um, but anyways, man, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Absolutely. This has been another episode.